Hello, everyone. My name is Joanne Lockwood, and I am your host for the Inclusion Bites podcast. In this series, I have interviewed a number of amazing people and simply had a conversation about the subject of inclusion, belonging, and generally making the world a better place for everyone to thrive. If you'd like to join me in the future, then please do drop me a line to joe.lockwood at tchangehappen.co.uk. That's S-double-E, changehappen.co.uk. You can catch up with all of the previous shows on iTunes, Spotify, and the usual places. So plug in your headphones, grab a decaf, and let's get going. Today is episode 75, with the title, Helping Others Achieve the Gold in Their Life. And I have the absolute honour and privilege to welcome Steve Judge. Steve describes himself as a professional speaker and author whose journey took him from wheelchair to world champion and beyond. He is now on a mission to empower others to achieve the gold in their lives. When I asked Steve to describe his superpower, he said that he is proud of being focused on what he wants and dedicated to make it happen. Hello, Steve. Welcome to the show. Hi, Joe. Uh, it's lovely to be here, and I'm really looking forward to our, our chat. Just a nice, casual chat between two colleagues over the next hour. So, yeah, really looking forward to it, and thank you very much for inviting me on. A pleasure, Steve. So tell me, how do you help others achieve the gold in their life? Oh, how do I help others? Um, well, as a professional speaker, as an author, so this is what I do. But I generally use my unique story. Um, so, yeah, that could be... Um, transcribed to I talk about myself I talk about myself and my journey but from that I give out messages and I give out the tools that I used to achieve in my life uh from like you've already said from going from wheelchair to world champion and beyond there's certain things that I did and I think as time's gone on I've met a lot of people that that have said to me do you know what Steve you're amazing I don't think I could have done that I don't think I could have grown my leg back twisted nuts and bolts in a cage to lengthen my leg out. I don't think I could have dedicated my, my, myself to, to, to going swimming early in the morning and running at lunchtime and, and cycling in, in all weathers. And I don't think I, I'd have the uh, commitment to run my own business and, and be successful and, and all of these things. And it's lovely to hear. <laughs> my, my head's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. But I don't like the fact that they say that they don't feel that they could do that because I feel that anybody could do that. I, I believe that if you've got the thing that thing in your head that you really want then you can achieve it now I'm not going to say anything is possible but you at least have a goal a really big massive goal that you want to work towards and it's all about that that is the main thing what is that thing and that's what I ask them before I I tell them how to get there and the tools that I use and everything I said well what is it that you want what is that gold in your life now for me gold stands for your goal your opportunity your love, and your dream, G-O-L-D. What is your gold? Because if you find that thing that you really want, that you're really passionate about, that you really get excited about, that thing that will get you out of bed at half five in the morning, that thing that you will talk to your friends about, that thing that will keep you going even on the, the, the low days, if you find out what that thing is, and it could be anything, it could be, it could be uh, your environment, your relationship, your finance, it could be work, uh, your career. But once you find out what that thing is, you know, you'll be driven to go and achieve it. When I was in a, in a wheelchair and I was being told that I may never walk again, you, you've got to imagine how passionate I was about wanting to stand again and walk again. And I'd move hell and high water to make it happen. 
and I believe that a lot of other people would as well. Um, and when you had, when I had the opportunity to, you know, to become a world champion, if I put the hard work and dedication, I believe that other people would go for that as well. But again, I do meet people that defy that and say, no, no, you know, I, I'm not that kind of a person. I think, well, you just haven't found the right gold in your life then. And it, it brought me to this thing of uh, a quote. I love quotes. And uh, my business coach told me this quote. And I use it in the start of my new book that I'm writing. It's coming out in March. And the, the book is called Gold. Okay, nice and easy to remember. But it start, the book starts off with this quote, and it's hell on earth is. Hell on earth is. So the full quote is hell on earth is getting to the end of your days and meeting the person that you could have become. So hell on earth is getting to the end of your days and meeting the person that you could have become. So my business coach told this to me and I said, right, I don't get it. He says, what do you mean? I said, I don't understand. I don't understand the quote. Um, I said, because when I get to the end of my days, the person that I could have become is the person that's a waste of space. They are a loser. They are the lazy one. They're the ones that didn't get out of bed. They're the ones that didn't drag themselves through things. They didn't achieve anything. They they have regrets. I said, I'm not going to be that person. I'm going to be the person that's, you know, pushed myself, that's succeeded in the things that I want, that, that's, you know, found out what I want and worked towards them, whether that's helping people or, or personal things or professional. So I don't get the quote. And he said, that's typical of you, Steve. That's because you're, you know, you're one of the 20%. I said, what do you mean one of the 20%? He says, well, 20% generally, this is generalization, generally 20% of the population will, will be like me. They'll, uh, they'll, they'll be living their life with no regrets. Uh, but 80% of the population will be like that. They will get that quote. So they will get to the end of the days and they'll say, I've got regrets. I've got regrets that I didn't spend enough time with my family, that I'm not as fit and healthy, that I was in a job that I didn't like, I was in a relationship that I didn't like. And I regret that. And I'm like, wow, what, why are they doing that? What are they doing that to themselves? And it really frustrates me that people go through their lives with these regrets and they don't do the thing that they really love, the thing that will make them happy. And why do they do that? And so the whole book that I've written is about that. It's about, it starts off with that quote and it, it's got the feelings how I went through it. It's got some assessments so you can find out whether you are a high achiever or whether you focus on what you want to achieve rather than what you want to avoid. But more than that, it's, obviously, it's got lots of stories about me and my journey, but it's got exercises in it. The whole point is when I'm on the stage and I inspire and I motivate and it's all amazing, up to a point, that's all I do. I inspire and I motivate. So how can I actually help people? Because this is what I want to do. I really want to help people. How do I help people? The book. The book helps people. Do the exercises. By the time you get to the end of the book, you will not only know what your goal is, but you'll know how to achieve it, how to work towards it, how you need to get certain your golden gang involved, how, you know, why are you doing it? When are you going to do it? All of these questions will be answered and you can go forward. Connected to the book will be my workshop. So I, I deliver this in businesses and corporations, finding, helping the team to find out what their goal is, helping the business to find out what their goal is in the future, the five-year plan. What is it that you want to do? How many people do you want to reach? This is your goal for the company. And again, the book, the workshop will help people to get to, to that point. So it's, helped, it's taken me a couple of years, well, a year and a half, I'd say, to write this book. It's coming out in March. But for me, this is my goal at the moment, is to, is to give something back. 
And so that's that's what my my dedication is at the moment. And how do I do that? By the workshop, the book, and the and speaking is probably a, an introduction to to who I am and what I do. So that's my my journey that I'm on at the moment, and uh, I'd be happy to share more of that as we go through this podcast, Joe. Yeah, Steve, it, it's interesting. I, you talk about the twenty percent and then the eighty percent. Obviously, conversely, it it could be very difficult for many who are living in their comfort zone. Things aren't bad enough to change necessarily. That we all have dreams. We all play the lottery. Most of us play the lottery for hope rather than for actual realism about we're going to win anything. So it's about being in it to win it. How you had a you had a if if I remember rightly from your story, you had you were involved in a car crash, which triggered the sequence of events to get you here today. Did you have this gold mindset? Before that sequence of events, is your trajectory accelerated or taken a, a different path because of that? Uh, was it the necessity brought out of the circumstance, if you like, that inspired you to take the actions you did? You're absolutely right, Joe, and it's a really good question. Here I am saying, you know, this is what you should do. You shouldn't have – you should live your life with no regrets, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's easier for me to say that because things have happened to me in my life that's made me almost wake up. It brings me on to another quote. Um, we all have two lives. Our second one starts when we realise we've only got one. You know, and when I had that car accident, when I when I survived it, when I woke up in the hospital bed, I realised, oh my goodness, I nearly died. I nearly died. I'm 30 years old. I nearly died. I didn't. I've got both my legs crushed, but I'm alive. I've got potential. I need to start living my life and start doing something. And so, you know, I think from that point onwards, that's what I started doing. Uh, and I used all the resources that I had beforehand to help me to to achieve that. And that was really important. So, yeah, it's all right me uh, talking to other people about it. They haven't necessarily been to that life-changing uh, event. And again, this is where it comes back to me. Listen to my story. Listen to my my journey and learn from the good things that have happened and the bad things. And there may be other people as well. And take inspiration and motivation from that so that you can find your gold and and live your life with no regrets by learning from what other people have done and so that's that's what my mission is so how do i get my story out there uh that's that's part of my journey as well to to, mm. to get those gigs to get on those stages and, and to, to to perform so that people can learn from it. i don't want anybody to go through what i've been through i don't want anybody to have a car accident a near fatal car accident get both their legs crushed or anything like that i've done that i've done that for them so if they can learn from me then then that's what's really important and that's what i want to do there's a quote I I often use is everything you ever desire is on the other side of fear. And it, it shows us that this this fear reaction in our heads stops many people unlocking their, their gold in your language um, because they're, they're worried about humiliation, they're risk-taking, they're, <clears throat> they've got so much investment in their status quo, um, their responsibilities, their, their, wherever they are in their life. And sometimes to step out of that comfort zone means risk, fear, fear of failure, fear of not or not knowing where to start. How does your, your thought process is inspire people to take that first step over that threshold from comfort to stretch? Absolutely. I, I, I heard, um, heard, saw this little explanation of going out your comfort zone and I loved it. Um, so I'll, I'll try and explain it because I always thought 
if your your need, your want is big enough, you, then you will jump out of your comfort zone and you'll go and achieve it because that's where the magic happens. And you can imagine like a, a circle of your comfort zone on uh, on a flip chart and a big arrow jumping out and going to achieve your goal. And then I thought, you know, that's not very realistic. And this one person said, yeah, it's, it's not very realistic. You can't expect people to just change over <clears throat> one night or one day. And so <clears throat> what it is, is you expand your comfort zone bit by bit, day by day. Your, your comfort zone gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And until eventually your comfort zone stretches all the way over to that thing that did seem impossible to do maybe a year ago or two months ago. But now look at you, you're nearly there. So it is step by step. The other thing, um, going on to my, my, my gold concept, which is good to gold concept, is there's five world champion winning strategies. And the first one is knowing what you want. So imagine you know what it is, <clears throat> you know what your gold is. It's just how do you get there? What, how do you go out of your comfort zone to get there? So the next thing is your, your, your golden soul. And that is basically your why. As in why? Why do you want this thing? Let, let's write it down. You know, why why do you want it? Uh, what will you uh, see, feel, hear when you get there? Um, what will you lose when you get it? What will you gain when you get it? What will you achieve when you get it? Let's get it out of your head and let's get those feelings, those emotions of you being in that moment of achieving that goal and let's bring that to life. Because once you start feeling how good you are going to be, because I'm presuming this thing that you really want is going to make you happy. I mean, why would you do the opposite? So this thing is going to make you happy. Let's just think how happy you really are going to be in a job that you love, in success that you're, you've achieved, in a relationship that is divine. Let's think about you already being there and let's get that, that knuckle down. And that will bring your, your brain, your smile to, to, to fulfillness. And that's great because that's what you need. That's what you need on those dark days. That's what you need that to, to keep you going on the unmotivated days. And you can put other tools in place like getting a playlist, getting a, a vision board, getting some, some poetry that will really help you inspire. But, you know, having a, somebody to help you hold you accountable, that, that really helps as well. But finding out your golden soul is really important. And that will take you on to the next stage, which is uh, your golden gear. Now, your golden gear is what do you need to do? What do you need to do? And it's one simple question repeated, as in what more can I do? What more can I do? What more can I do? This is what I said to myself when I was in rehabilitation. I was doing all my physio and the physio kept on giving me exercises for both of my legs so that I could stretch them, grow them, learn to stand again, etc. And I will say, right, I'm doing that. I'm doing that. What more can I do? And at one point, I was doing 21 different physio exercises. That's a lot. Now, that's all I had to do in my life, to, uh, to be honest. I had no job. I was in a wheelchair. My, my whole life was dedicated to me getting better. It uh, didn't make it much easier because physio is so boring and monotonous. But still, that's what I was doing. And I'd still ask them, what more can I do? Th these are my legs. This is my time. This is my opportunity. What do I need to get better? So that when at the end of all this, this rehabilitation phase, I could look back and no matter what disability or what pain I had, I could say to myself, I've got no regrets. I did as much as I could. At no point do I want to say to myself, oh, Steve, if you'd got off your ass and done more physio, if you'd got up and told, you know, done the things that people told you to do, you would be better than you are now. I absolutely have no regrets. That I did as much as I could. And so that's really important as an elite athlete. 
elite. Elite to me means that you're asking the question all the time. You want to be the best in the world. Of course, you're going to be asking yourself, what more can I do? What more, what more can I do to beat the rest of the world? So you're asking yourself that question over and over again. Is it your kit, your equipment, your nutrition, your mindset, um, everything to do with performing to the best of your ability on that day? When the, with the, At the start line, when it goes, you want to be stood on that start line, looking left and right at the other competitors saying, bring it on. I've got no regrets. I seriously couldn't have done any more, any more training, any more mindset. I couldn't have done any more nutrition. I'm, I'm sick of that diet that I've been following, but I am on my peak performance. This is it. Bring it on. And that's how I see things in life in my business now as, as a professional speaker. You know, I'm doing really well, but I, th- there's other gigs that I'm not at yet. Why aren't I there? When I'm speaking in front of 20 people, that's lovely. But why is it not 200? Why is it not 2,000? Why is it not 200,000? Why am I not in the O2 arena? It's the same story, and I could inspire so many more people if they were just put in front of me. And that kind of spurs me on. Maybe I'm doing something wrong then. What more can I do? What more can I do? Is it more marketing, more lead generation? Do I need to get my, my golden gang? So the golden gang is the next stage, is that who do you need to help you get there? Because you've got to realise you can't do this all on your own. My goodness me. I mean, much as we're, we're, we're driven everything, we've got limits. In hospital, I had physios, uh, I had uh, uh, doctors, surgeons, admin staff, elite athletes. Of course, you've got the team behind you. And now my business, much as I run it on my own, and I'm the one that people see on the stage and I'm up there, I have a massive team behind me. You know, I have my mastermind group, I have a business coach, I have a stylist, I have a PA, I have friends, colleagues, uh, people that help and support me. There's a lot of people that have helped me to get where I am today. But I always say that there's three phases in that. There's uh, there's people that help me in commencement, as in just getting going, saying, oh, no, good luck, you know, go for it, Steve. You've then got a, a bigger team that help you to accomplish. And I'd say that's where I am now. I'm, I'm an accomplished professional speaker and things are going really well. But I'm not done yet because I want more. I want fulfillment. And it's about thinking, who do I need in my golden gang that will take me up to that fulfillment stage? Who's going to take me up to that next level? Is it an SEO expert? Is it a a marketing guru? Is it uh, a chauffeur that will drive me to my gigs and drive me home? Is it somebody who's going to do all my social media while I'm on the stage and taking photos of me so I don't have to take selfies and and, and type it up myself? All of these things, this is what I would love to do. I, I want to do the things that I love doing, the things that make me happy. And that's being on the stage. I don't actually like doing the admin work and sit in front of the computer. I'll do it, but I don't want to. So who do I need in my golden gang? And much as I can't, maybe afford them at the moment, you know, they're there and I will get them at some point. The last one is your golden hour. The golden hour is all about deadlines. What's my future? What's my future hold? What's my five-year plan, four-year, three-year, two-year, one-year plan? What do I want to achieve at the end of this month? I've mentioned my book's coming out in March. You know, that's been a part of my my, my golden hour, my planning. And once that comes out, then I'm obviously going to do all the marketing before that comes out. But when it comes out, then I want to jump on top of it and do the workshops, do an online workshop. And I've got other other goals that I want to set. And that's all in my five-year plan. So having all of these these strategies in place really helped me to, to work my way through my goal. And this is what the book explains. So this is what will help other people. So first things first, what do they want? What do they really want? What is their goal? And then follow these strategies and it will help them to get there. It will help them to go out of their comfort zone every single day because they can see the journey ahead of them. And I, I describe it in my book. It is like a, it's like a treasure hunt. It's like a journey. Is that I've got a, a really cool map that I've drawn, which is your gold is at the end of it, and you've got to go through everything to get there. You've got the golden compass. You've got the the golden key. 
the golden key to unlock your gold. The golden key is is a figment of action because that, I believe, is the one fundamental thing that you've got to do to succeed is is taking action. So what mm. action are you going to take? And it's so important. So all of these things, uh, it, you can imagine it's kind of like a – uh, a hunt, a treasure hunt throughout the, the 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 mountains and the streams and everything to find your goal, to unlock your goal, to release it, and to be happy because that's where everybody should be. Everyone's definition of gold is different, though, isn't it? And uh, is is there a danger that we we create unex, unattainable expectations for people who don't have their team, don't have the finances, don't have the wherewithal? So someone else's gold may actually be more bronze or um or rock uh but it's their gold i suppose it's all proportionate to their expectations it's not about as you say winning a world championship it might be for them losing weight or getting a new job or achieving something getting out of a toxic relationship or something it's it's everyone's gold is different isn't it yes yeah totally and and people have to decide what their gold is, and it's very important. I've made mistakes. I I had a friend. I've still got a friend, um, and he's a recovering alcoholic. And I wanted to help him, so he started doing a bit of swimming. And I said, "Look, mate, why don't we do a relay triathlon?" He said, "Do what?" He said, "I can't do that." So all you got to do is you do the swim section. I'll do the bike section. Somebody else can do the run section. We do it together as a team. It would be great uh, participation. Get a medal at the end. And all you would do is swim 30 lengths of the pool. He said, oh, I can do that. I said, well, that's great. Let's, let's get you signed up then. And a few weeks went by and I, I spoke to him. He says, can I, yeah, can I have a word with you, Steve? I said, yeah, sure, sure. You know, how's the training going? He says, I'm not sleeping well at night. I said, oh, why? What's the matter? He says, I, I'm feeling so pressurized over this goal that you've set about me backing up the team, swimming 30 lengths. Said, I can swim 30 lengths, but you've put me in a position where I've now got responsibility to swim that 30 lengths. And I said, look, I'm so sorry. Let's just scrap the whole idea. I was trying to help, but what I'd done was I'd forced a goal on him and that doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. There's a similar story with my kids. My kids are 15 and 18 now, but when they were slightly younger, at the end, of, at the beginning of the year, 1st of January, I'd say, what are your goals? What are your goals for the for the year ahead? Uh, you know, with school and friends and, and sports and hobbies. And as the years went on, they they they, they rolled their eyes, you know, more and more and more. Say, oh, Dad, Dad, you're always banging on about goals. And I was like, yeah, I'm just trying to help you, though. You know, what do you want to do? And I'm not a pushy parent. I just wanted to support. So what I did was I changed my my wording. And at the beginning of the year, 1st of January, we sit down and I just asked them, what do you want to do this year? What do you want to do? Do you want to go on holiday? Do you want to go to the zoo? Do you want to do more cycling, more picnics, more sleepovers? What do you want to do? In fact, just just write a list of what you want to do. Now, to me, that list that they're writing is their goals for this year. For them, it's just what they want. So you can't force these goals on people. And you're absolutely right, Joe. People have got different goals, which is why in my workshop, we do the 360, uh, the, the wheel of life. So you, you score where you are in various aspects of your life. Where are you in your environment? Are you happy where you are? Where are you in your, your work capacity, You know your business? Or your finance is it good is it a 10 out of 10 was it two out of 10 relationship health fitness mental health hobbies are you actually going out are you just staying in do you want to go out more are you an eight is it... you score yourself and at the end of that assessment you can see where the high scores are the 10 out of 10s okay that sounds pretty good life is sorted for you in that one. Oh, let's have a look at this section it's the two out of 10 or three out of 10 
maybe this is where you want to focus you know your gold how could we move that from a two out of ten up to an eight out of ten whether it's your relationship or whether it's your, you know your business or your funds you want more money in the bank okay well what are you going to spend that money on would that bring it up to an eight or nine okay let's focus on that then and everybody you're right everybody's got different goals my my goals were uh, very much health uh, getting to stand again uh, becoming a world champion sport it's now very much business do i still keep fit and healthy absolutely but at no point am i trying to be a world champion at no point am i doing the same times or the same capacity of of sport that i used to do because i'm very much business orientated that to me is my goal it, writing my book has been my main focus over the last year and to do that i've had to sit myself in front of my computer day after day and that's because that was my goal. So yeah, by asking people what's going on in their life first and finding out what they truly want uh, is very, very important. You can't give goals to other people. And this is not only just like for my friends and family, but you know, I've met a lot of employees and, and companies that are, you know, they do try to force the company goals on the employees. This is what you know, management want. This is what the CEO wants. Make it happen. Okay, that's one way of doing it. It's very autocratic. Um, the other thing is, is, is working from the, the ground up. So what do the employees want? Okay, understood. How does that work into what the management wants or the CEO or whatever? And it's it's down to like communication, working out how there's a common ground, how we can all work together uh, to to make it successful. Because if you're if you're if you're trying to row against the stream, it's not going to work, is it? So it's all about being open. And again, this is what my workshops do with the with the uh, the, the the wheel of life. And then the first exercise is very much having a vision. Um, you know, drawing a picture of what you really want, what you want to achieve personally and professionally. And again, I've I've learned this, Joe, because I used to say, right, this is a business conference. So we, you're just going to do um, professional. Uh, what do you want to do professionally in your job role, in your business, in your career? And, stuff like that. and, and people, they, they struggle to draw or to visualize that. Because when I said, what do you want in your life? The main thing that pumped into their, into their head was, I want to spend more time with the family or I want to be fitter or healthier. And I'm like, no, no, what about your business or right, your career? And they go, well, yeah, that's important as well. But, you know, my, the, my, my main importance is my family and my health. So now I accept that and say, look, let's draw a picture of that. You know, what is your, your health goals, your, your family, your personal goals? And now let's move over and do your professional goals. Because it is important because you do mm. need to earn money and get some, some food in the fridge. And, you know, it's part of your life. So how can we can, you know, get an amalgamation going with those? Let's accept both of them and move on uh, and I think that that's worked a lot better for me so it's, it's a learning curve for all of us but accepting what people really want that is the main thing yeah I think what you highlighted there very articulately is the fact that someone's blocker may not be immediately obvious to them or to you or to the person coaching or helping them and it may well be it's a, a deep-seated personal challenge a support network challenge and then once you put that key into that lock and, and open that and free them from it then other things become much clearer and easier to enable but if you're if you're held back through a fear of something or um relationship problems or insecurity in your personal life you, you, we all talk about you know maslow's hierarchy of needs if we haven't got the basics foundations in our life sorted then how can we aspire up through to self-actualization so i, I think yeah it's, it's it's really good to explore the 360 the full dimension of somebody uh, and not make an assumption, just go for promotion, just change mm. your job. It's There's a lot of why hanging them, holding them back, isn't there? 
Yeah, and I I love the concept that I use with um, the Wheel of Life. If you imagine you've given these all scores, some are eight and some are two, you then colour those in. So you colour them in black or something really deep so you can see it. And what you really want is a balance. If you imagine a car or a unicycle running on that as a wheel, if you've got some twos in some places and some eights in others, that's not a very smooth journey at all. And it is all about balance. I'm not saying you should be 10 out of 10 for everything. Um, but, you know, a 7 out of 10 for everything would be a lot better than 10 in some areas and 2 in others. Something's going on there and usually they're connected. You know, you're you're spending too much time in your, your career and your business, which is a 10 out of 10. Everything's going really well. However, your relationship is a 2 out of 10 because you're not spending any time on your relationship and it's all at work. That might be, you know, just an example. Or your health is suffering because you're sat in front of your computer working really hard. So you, you've got a 10 out of 10 and your health is like a 2 out of 10. That's not good. If they were both 7 out of 10, that would actually be better. So, yeah, getting the all-round balance is very important. And, again, getting people to realise that is ultimate. See, you uh, – I understand in our conversations you do a lot of uh, work with the scouting movement. What got you into that in the early days? Ooh, so scouting has always been part of my life. Scouting, I would say, made me. So I talk about when I was, so I was in scouting when I was eight years old, and I loved it. I loved it for, do you know what? I loved it for the fun, the challenge, and the adventure, but the life skills and the opportunities it gave as well. And I loved it for the badges. The badges, you know, the badges that you get down your arm. I love those. And I used to be the scout that used to take the badge book home, and I used to look through that badge book looking for the next badge in my life. And, uh, when I found it, I'd go and ask for help from my mum, my dad, and the, the scout leader, of course. And they would actually help me to work towards that badge. Now, I didn't realise then. But in a way, I guess I was setting a foundation of setting goals and working towards them. So I've got a lot to be thankful for with scouting, the opportunities it gave me. The first three badges that I ever got in scouting were swimming, cycling, and running. The fact that I became a world champion in triathlon, swimming, cycling and running, is that a coincidence? There's a massive one, but, you know, it's just nice to know. And so when I got the opportunity, when I when I retired as an, uh, as a, as an athlete, as a global athlete, uh, one of the first things I did was I went back to scouting as a Cub Scout leader. So I'm now completing the circle as it was. And I think it's very important to do that in various aspects of your life. And um, complete the circle, I'm now giving the new generation of Cubs uh, who are like aged between eight and ten and a half years old, giving them fun, challenge and adventure, giving them life skills, giving them opportunities. And, you know, who knows where those badges will take them? Uh, and and this is one thing that gets me really hyped up and really excited. I, I keep talking about my, my book and about helping people. One of the things that really drives me, the biggest thing is I really, I will, sorry, I need to use the right word and not, I'm not going to, I am going to, uh, create my own scout badge okay so there's going to be a steve judge scout badge we're kind of talking back a legacy here now but this scout badge will be something that i will um present to the young people and so in scouting you it starts from six years old to be honest it even starts at four years old now really young all the way up to 21 and then you've got you become a leader so with all those those ages you get badges and so by doing my workshop uh, from good to gold they will get, they will earn themselves the Steve Judge badge. I've actually got some some sketches down here when I was waiting for the podcast of, of what this badge is going to look like because I have no idea at the moment. But that's part of the excitement. I think when you're running your own business, it's lovely being creative. 
But this badge, um, to earn it, the main thing that the kids are going to do, the young people, is to draw a picture, a vision of what they want to achieve. Draw a picture of where they are now, you know, at Cubs or Scouts or at school, quite young, but where do they want to be in the future? This is part of the workshop that I run in businesses, but also do it at schools all over the place, universities. And the young kids, they're, they're, the, they're the funniest. They're the best. They draw pictures of, I want to be a rock star. I want to be a footballer. I want to be a surgeon, a vet. I want to be a YouTuber. And there are no wrong answers. You just draw a picture of what you want. And it's really nice. Then add color, add detail. The more you do it, the more you open up to your RAS, your particular activating system, and you really bring it to life. Now, this picture, when it's finished, it will be, we will take a photograph of it. And that will be uploaded to the vault in the sky, the, the cloud in the sky, and it will stay there. Yes, they've earned their badge, badge, so well done. They can get that sewn on, and they probably have to do one maybe every four years or something like that. The point is, every four years, they'll have to draw a new picture. So you've got all these pictures on the vault. And so 15 years after the first picture's been drawn, where are they now? Are they actually a surgeon? Are they an astronaut? Are they a rock star? Because some of them will be. Um, and it'd be so nice for them to look back at all the drawings that they've drawn through scouting to get the Steve Judge badge and to see how that has shaped their life, how it's guided them, how it's enthralled them or inspired them to actually go and achieve that thing that they really wanted to do as a kid. Um, because I believe that that's what happened to me, and that's believe that other other people can do that as well. And if I can help them do that, that's what I really want to do. So that will be an amazing thing for me to do, and that will be... Like I said, I haven't even designed the badge, haven't got the workshop designed for them yet, but it will be. And and that pushes me on. And before I can do that, I've got to write the book and get the book published and get it out there in March. So it's finding out what drives you. And that's the main thing that drives me at the moment, I think, moving forward. So I'm very excited about that, as you might be able to tell. It's amazing. I mean, I look back at, at my life and the scouting movement was a huge um well, I didn't know it at the time, very formative in my early years. I think I probably joined the scouting movement probably in, when I was six or seven years old, probably as early as you could back in the 70s. And like you, I think I, I aspired to these badges. I you know, I saw the book. I had, saw people getting presented with them. I thought, oh, I want to do that one. I want to do that one. And, yeah, it became a thing. And I, I remember aspiring to be uh, – the little mini leadership roles, your pack, your 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 patrol or your your um whatever the whatever the uh the definition of the time was and and getting the as you go up and up through the, from the junior to the more senior um uh age groups then you you have different badges and different patrol leaders and, and assistant yeah. patrol leaders and, and chief scout awards all these kind of things and it was for me it was a I, I took a lot of inspiration and I and I and I look back at it, it what it's done in my life is it instilled a sense of community. I I learned my sense of community and my community engagement through the scouting movement, you know, village fates, helping, being part of I'm not religious, but at the time a lot, a lot of it was associated with the church. Um maybe I've lost my churchy side side, but there's a community side of what, what, what the good we were doing, uh jumble sales, sorting stuff out, Bob a job. I remember I remember Bob a job week, which I yeah. seem to remember was sometimes early in the year february or something i don't know but i remember i remember trying to win the prize for the person who raised the most money in yeah. that bobber job week or fortnight whatever it was and i did i i i i found a couple of people who seemed to want to pay me to do dig their garden up and every other day i go back and say do you want me to do a bit more of your garden a bit more of your garden? <laughs> Eventually, i think by the end of the week they said our garden's done now thank you very much <laughs> goodbye 
I was going to pass. <laughs> I think I, I think I, at the time, I mean, I was probably eight or nine years old. I think I raised something like 30, 40 pounds. And back in the 70s, that was a, a big pot of money, a couple of hundred pounds by today's money. Um, so I was really dedicated to that. And I think it, it, that, if I look back, the scouting movement has given me the start in life. And there's other things in life that I, I was in the, uh, in the armed forces for a while that instilled a sense of duty and a sense of um, reliability and structure in my life and a few other things. So, yeah, I think we're all a product of our existence and these these, these events, sometimes that self-reflection to see what drives us is, is quite useful. Yeah, no, totally. Scouting gives you absolutely so much. Um, I think as, you know, I, I worked my way all the way up to the Queen Scout Award as it was then, and that's one of the highest awards you can get. And one of the biggest things I got from that was the, the final expedition, a four-day expedition with a rucksack on your back, I don't know, 18, 19 years old maybe, full independence. And this is the thing. You weren't allowed to, to buy anything from the shops. You had to carry all your own food and equipment, which sounds like a, a mammoth task. But that's the whole point. It's independence. To have that feeling of we could stop anywhere, as long as there was like water maybe from a stream, we could survive. And it's, it's bringing you back to basics, that survival instinct. It's really nice. And it, it gives you that sort of confidence and power that if you can do that, you can maybe do other things as well. So I got a lot from scouting. I, I could probably talk about it so much, but it's, it's going back to the basics. And as a professional speaker, I, I still blend in the, the speaking part into scouting. As a couple leader, you know, just on the pat nights when there's like 30 kids there, but one of my goals, um, I haven't quite achieved it. I've done it a couple of times, but I want to do a bigger one, is I want to tell my story around a campfire. Uh, now, I have done this a couple of times. But what I want to do is at a proper campfire, uh, get some cameras there, get a drone there, capture the moment, because this takes me back to basics. I believe that that's where professional speaking first started, was you know cavemen coming back from the hunt and telling their story about woolly mammoth and saber-toothed tigers and, and explaining what they did and telling the story, not with a PowerPoint presentation or anything like that, but just by the glow of the fire, because that's what it's all about. It's all about storytelling. And to tell my story in that capacity, it just gave me so much fulfilment. Um, I nearly got the opportunity early this year. There was a, um, a cub camp, 250 cubs, campfire. I got invited because I'm president of Derbyshire. So I said, yes, this is great. I hired a videographer. I said, come and film me. This is going to be epic. And we drove all the way out there. I got there and it was raining. And they said, we might have to do it in the marquee. I said, I hope not. Can we do it outside around the fire? They went, no, it's, it's too bad. You're going to have to do it in the marquee. And I was like, no. And it was amazing. The Cubs loved it. But it was not what I wanted. You know, doing it in a marquee is very different to doing it around a campfire with a glow and everything. So it's still on my list of things to do to do that. But on the on the week by week basis, you know, just doing scouting, giving giving something to the new generation is great. But seeing what they achieve is so enlightening for me. When, the, when I always ask, you know, has anybody got anything to share? And when somebody puts their hand up, I get them to stand up in front of all the other the cubs. And these are kids of different ages. And that's really important because at school, in their class, well, they're all the same age and they kind of generally know each other. In Cubs, you might get kids from different schools, different areas, different ages. So to get them to stand up, be confident enough to, to speak in front of them and give them a small round of applause before they sit down, that is crucial. That is crucial for their public speaking later on in their life. And I don't mean they're going to become a speaker, 
but they might have to do presentations, whether it's at a wedding or whether it's at work. But given some of those skills and confidence, I feel is really important. But then the, it just goes on and on. I mean, my I've got two kids. My my eldest, he's 18. He's still in, in scouting uh, now as, a, as the scout leader. And my daughter, she's 15. And she's, uh, she's going on this thing called the World Scout Jamboree. So the World Scout Jamboree is a massive, big scout camp. It's held every four years. And it's been going for over 100 years now. And it was first created by uh, the founder of scouting, which is Baden Powell. So his idea, he'd been through wars and he created scouting from the wars about you know, how the, the new generation can help and everything. But basically what he wanted to do was he wanted to bring world peace. OK, big thing that he wanted to do. So he, what he did was he created this thing called a World Scout Jamboree. And his idea was to bring all the young people from around the world who are scouts from around the world all together for two weeks of fun and, and, and activities and the main thing was then to make friendship together so that these people, these young people from around the world, they make friends, they go back to their own countries and they never want to fight each other because they have friends in all the countries. So that's world peace. So that's been running every four years. The next one is in South Korea. My daughter is lucky enough to be chosen to go on that. She has to raise money. You talked about raising £30. She's got to raise £3,500. Um, and she's doing it exactly the same way as you did, Joe, all those years ago. She's doing it within the community. This is what's really encouraged. Don't just like get mummy and daddy to, to give you the money. You've got to use your community. You've got to do the, the cake sales, the washing cars, the digging gardens. You've got, you've got two and a half or two years to, to raise this money so that the whole community know who you are, what you're doing it for, and they are helping you to get your ticket to go over there. Over there, she will make friends, she will learn about culture, she'll do activities. Then she comes back, 15 years old, buzzing about it, telling the new generation what she's just done and about how amazing and how you know that the world is and the other people around it and passing on that information and encouraging the new generation to say, do you know what, in four years' time, I want to go on the World Scout Jamboree. And you go, yes, do you know what? you might be able to do that. And around it goes, so completing the circle again. So it still goes on. The scouting, you know, I worked for scouting for, for three years in the media team. And the main um, the main goal was to shout about scouting in all the good that it does. Uh, and it was just lovely, just working around, you know, the, the volunteers of the around the country, helping them to shout loud about, you know, all the, the, the good stuff they did with the, the generation, with the, 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 the camp camps and the uh, the activities that they do. And it was just fun. It was just such a nice, but you know, scouting people are such a nice, fun, generous group of people. Mm. And to, to shout loud about that, well, what a perfect job. And I got to work with people like Bear Grylls and other other celebrities. It was incredible. One of the best jobs I've ever had until I got this this job as a as a speaker. <laughs> I love this as well. Yeah, I, I took a lot of inspiration in a lot of ways. I think these days about membership organisations from uh, it was the chief exec of the Scouts at the time, a, a guy called Derek Twine. It was, uh, I think he was chief executive around about the mid 2005 to 2008 type timescale. And I met him and was, we, I was, I was uh, heavily involved in a, in a, in an organization called the round table at the time. And we, we, we made contact with the scouting movement to try and learn how they reinvented themselves. Because mm. I think it's, it's fair to say that in the, in the late nineties, early 2000s, scout movement was becoming out of touch with the modern world, membership yes. declining. It's very entrenched in its views and beliefs. It's very white privilege, uh, gender segregation, which wasn't the mood of the world. We were moving into a, a very much more inclusive 
uh, sort of need from communities. And I think when I met Derek, he, he very inspirational, and he, and he, he projected or showed me the, the five-year plan, the scouting movement had created, and he recognised that in order to make change, sometimes you have to say to some people, "Well, this change might not be for you." You have to enfranchise the people who are your core, the people who are your your future. And sometimes you're going to disenfranchise people who are who need to be left wither on the vine, or people who can't come on this journey with you. Mm-hmm. And in the way he explained it gave me some insight as to, with membership organizations, certainly the roundtable, it gave me the insight to say, well, actually, what we're going to do is come up with a strategy, come up with a belief, come up with our goal, whatever it may be, of who our core members are, what our core beliefs are, what we're trying to achieve. And that's got to be the, the unwaverable focus. And when we get detractors, when we get people who are not on board with that, we're going to say, well, it's fair enough. I understand you have different views. Um, maybe this isn't the best place for you. Maybe you can take your passions elsewhere. Yeah. But not proactively push them out, but let, just allow them to wither. And, I, and it, it, the confidence I think that Derek had at the time in that five-year plan is it, it set the foundation of where the scouting movement is now. It's it's waiting this for each pack and troop and whatever the definition is these days. It's, there's leadership. Um, the issue now is finding more leaders, but leaders are coming, aren't they? And so I think the movement has reinvented itself, becoming multi-gender rather than being gender segregated it's providing modern activities the uniform was reformed the new sense of belonging was created to an alignment with society and i think it's got a lot of lessons that many organizations can learn from at a time where service organizations have declined and the scouting movement has started to thrive yeah i mean the main thing they wanted to do as you can imagine is numbers if, if people are, are leaving scouts, then what they need to do is get more people to join. So who are those people that they want to stay or to join? Well, they're the young people. So the main thing they do now is they listen to the young people. It sounds quite easy when you put it like that, but it's youth-led. So what do the young people want? So um, this was probably about 15 years ago or more. They said, you know, probably around the time that you're talking, they said, what do you young people, you know, what do you want? And they said, well, one thing we don't want is, is the uniform that you keep enforcing on us. You know, these hats that you make us wear and these, t- we don't actually like those. And we're actually a bit embarrassed wearing them down towards scouts. So much so that we'd prefer not to go to scouts than wear the uniform that you make us wear. And they went, oh my goodness, right. Well, what uniform would you like to wear? I don't know, a hoodie or something. All right. Let's let's design some hoodies. Now we still have the uniform because you still got tradition, and you've got to get the balance right between you know modernizing and moving with the times and tradition. And there is still the saluting, and there is still the flag break, and there is still the uniform and the parading on Remembrance Day and St George's Day parade. Absolutely, but we don't shout that loud about that. What we shout loud about is the rock climbing, the mountain biking, the expeditions, the swimming that we do, the archery, the, all the exciting, the fun, the challenge, the, the, the adventurous things that we do, because that's what the kids want. That's what the young people want. Well, let's do more of that. And what else do you want? And what else do you want? And what else do the young people want? And things like that. It is not, as a, as a leader, you know, I, I get stuck into the traffic as well, that I, I run an, an amazing program for a whole year And so the next year comes around, I think, well, we'll just do the same program again because it seemed to work well last year. Wrong. Who who do I know? I'm an adult. I don't know. Let's ask the young people, how did it go last year? And they might go, it was okay, but we didn't really like this activity. And I'm like, are you sure? I thought that was great. I don't know. It's about asking them. So sometimes you have to do brainstorming with them and and they come up and then it comes. And this is where you've got the um, 
What's your goal? And as a management, as a leader, I then have to adapt the goal that they want and make it work. I was talking about businesses and corporations and about finding out what the employee wants and how that that works with what the management want. So the kids, they said they want a McDonald's night. I said, you want a what night? A McDonald's where we go to McDonald's and eat McDonald's. And I'm like, well, look, in, in scouting, this is not what we really do. We don't really go to McDonald's and just like stuff our faces. So I don't think we can do that. Now, I didn't say that negatively. I said, that's very interesting. Let me have a think about it. So what I created was a, a hike. And it was a hike around the village. And we went to every single place that sold chips. And we bought a portion of chips and we ate those chips and we scored them on service, taste, payment, waiting time. And then we moved on to the next chip shop and the next one. And we had the best night ever eating chips, walking, going around the community with our scout uniform on, you know, the Necker at least. And people saw us. And sometimes we got chips for free. And then at the end of the night, we went back to those chip shots and we presented them with a certificate. So, you know, about you know, on, on what they scored. So everybody's happy. The owners are happy. The, the, the Cubs are happy. And, and the leaders are happy. And it was probably one of the best nights of the year because we got to eat lots of chips. So by turning a McDonald's night into something similar to that, that's how you do it. And that comes down to understanding what the young people want and how us as leaders, management, can actually do stuff like that so yeah listen to the young people that's ultimately very very important i love that and i'm a great believer in rather than listening with a and then coming up with a can't it's <laughs> it's like the improv isn't it and what, yes. what but what can we do what could we do instead so that's the goal yeah let's go and have something social let's do something that's a bit fun well, so we can't do exactly that, but we can do this instead. It's working Absolutely. out the can, not just being blocked by the can, isn't it? Oh, that is so so true about scouting because uh, probably like ten years ago, health and safety, which is very important, um, you know, it's very it can be very complicated to work out how you can still do things by following all the health and safety guidelines. But it's not a case of saying we can't do that anymore. It's a case of saying how do we do that then? Right, um, you know, climbing trees, you know, that's going to be quite adventurous we don't use the word dangerous in scouting adventurous to, to climb trees so how can we do that well there's a place called go ape i don't know if you've heard about that but the whole thing is is climbing trees big trees massive trees bigger than we've got in our village they're high they're double the size of that how do they do that a harness rope wire training safety leaders there so the, the kids are now climbing higher than they ever would have before, having even more fun because we didn't say no to tree climbing. We just said, how can we do it? And it's the same with everything, you know, working out how you can do something rather than just saying no. Now, you know, I know that's not always easy, but nobody said that this was going to be easy. And this comes back to what we were talking about, about having this big monstrous goal, or the, 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 your gold. How do you get there? How do you go out of your comfort zone? bit by bit let's just take a step back and also sometimes you might to ask for help like i said you know if you think you can do it on your own you're, you're probably wrong it's about knowing who's in your golden gang uh, that will help you support you maybe you know enlighten you i remember um talking about my, my book again I, I said to my i was on holiday was it last year and i said to my family uh about my brother and his wife and kids and stuff i said I, what i want to do is i actually want to bury some gold around the uk some actual gold and it will be a massive promotional thing. And to find the clues of where the gold is, it will be in my book. So if you buy the book, you get the, the, the map, and then you can do some geocaching. You can find out where this gold is, dig it up, and it'll be great for social media, etc. 
everybody around the table is going, well, that, that wouldn't happen. That wouldn't work because of this, because of that. That's a crazy idea. What about if somebody digs it up? What about if you lose it? And it was all like negativity, negativity, negativity. And I just went, do you know what? It doesn't matter then. And let's talk about the weather instead. Now, I did the same thing. I mentioned the same thing to my mastermind group. Uh, mastermind group, group of people similar to me, professional speakers, you know, have their own business. And, and they all said, Steve, that sounds an amazing idea. That sounds so exciting. I don't know how you're going to do it. But yeah, you know, if we can help at all, then let's do it. How exciting. And I just thought, oh my goodness, that's such a different you know, uh, feedback than what I got. So it's about knowing who's in your golden gang, which people you use for certain things, whether it's emotional support you need or physical support, or maybe you need somebody to say, that is ridiculous, or you need somebody to say, that's amazing. You pick and choose sometimes, and it's about having enough people in your golden gang to do that. And I know you were talking to Mike Pagan uh, a couple of weeks ago, and he was talking about you know mental wealth and about having the right people and giving them, them almost scoring them about you know whether you get 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 health and wealth from certain people but make sure you've got a nice spread of people and i think it's the same with your your golden gang when you're working towards your gold absolutely i think it's eminently possible what you're saying there geocaching is already a thing it's yeah. already a movement there's websites there's people who, who enjoy it this it, it, yeah completely geocaching is a thing yeah and gold doesn't have to be bullion it could right. be it's, it's a metaphor for for a prize yeah and it could be golden color it could be a golden ticket it could be whatever you decide that gold means yeah you find it and to hide those clues in your book you're not hiding a million pounds worth of treasure anyway <laughs> what you're hiding is is an objective you know yeah. I, I've, found, I've achieved something yeah i've taken a photograph i put it on twitter and i've gone yay i'm gold yeah and uh i've won something and it, it's i think yeah i mean i I, like you, I can extrapolate that in my head and go, wow, sounds like a fantastic idea. Let's get going. Let's do it. Isn't it? Yeah. So, I, I will, I'll tell you what, Joe, I will be on the one show. I'll be sat on that sofa and I'll be telling them about my, my actual treasure hunt around the UK uh, in support of finding the gold in your life. And uh, and, and when you see me on, on, on BBC One, you can say, oh, Steve was talking about that on the podcast. There you go. Yeah, and you'll be back afterwards uh, and talking about your experience <laughs> on the one show and whether you had whether it was Alex Jones or whether you had uh, one of the other presenters. Who yeah. knows? Who knows? Yeah, it would be great, definitely. Steve, thank you so much. You've been an amazing guest. I've loved to learn about gold, your golden circle, and and how we can all inspire ourselves and be inspired inspired by those around us, and how we can avoid maybe the drains in our life and focus on the radiators, the people who are going to add value. So yeah, really, really, really powerful. So, Steve, you mentioned your book several times. Do you want to tell us about how we can get hold of you when your book is coming out, what it's called, uh, what to look out for, all of that? How, how do people get in touch? Okay, so the best way uh, is my my website, which is www.steve-judge.co.uk. I'm all over social media, so don't leave any excuses. Get in contact with me, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I'm Steve Judge Gold, of course. Um, and then the book, yes, yeah, so it might... My autobiography is, is available now if you wanted to buy that off the website, but my new book is uh, called Gold is going to be coming out in March. And I think that's pretty much all the details I've got at the moment. It will be on my website, so you can find it there. But yeah, if you connect with me on social media, you'll hear me talking about it in the weeks and months to come. But the main thing is I just want to help people. So if you want to reach out, if you want to have a chat, either by, by text or you want to have a Zoom, then let's do that. If you feel that I can help you in any way, let's connect and uh, let's have a nice chat. Steve, thank you once again. So very inspirational. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. A huge, 
And a huge thank you to you, the listener, or the listeners, for tuning in. For getting to the end, I really appreciate this. It's been an hour long, and I know sometimes it's uh, it's hard to stick with it, but this has been an amazing chat. Please do subscribe. If you're not already, subscribe keep up, to keep updated on future episodes of the Inclusion Bites podcast. That's B-I-T-E-S. Tell your friends, tell your colleagues. Please share the link. As you can imagine, I have a number of other exciting guests lined up, and I'm sure you'll be equally inspired by them over the next few weeks, months, and hopefully years. And, of course, if you'd like to be a guest, if you'd like to be part of the show, please do drop me a line. And if you've got any ideas for improvements, suggestions, then I'd love to hear those as well. So please drop me an email to joe.lockwood at stchainchapman.co.uk. And finally, my name is Joanne Lockwood. It's been an absolute pleasure to host this podcast for you today. Catch you next time. Bye.